Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming, action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. What is this place? The Crypto Zoo is a sanctuary, a place for all the unloved animals in the world. That's a clip from the trailer for Crypto Zoo, a Sundance award-winning animated film that was created right here in Richmond by James Samborski and Dash Shaw. They'll be joining me on Sifter for the Year to talk about their lives together and making their movies. Sifter Review of the Week. Julia on HBO Max. It's a bold move to take on a biopic of Julia Child after Meryl Streep did such a wonderful job in Julie and Julia. Fortunately, Sarah Lancashire has succeeded beautifully, creating the famed chef as a sweet, charming, peculiar, and delightful character. The series revolves around the creation of her famous TV show, The French Chef, delving into the challenges she faced from the stuffy PBS executives. It also depicts the people on her side who helped make the show happen. This includes the support from her devoted husband, played with earnest love by David Hyde Pierce. The series offers wonderful insight into the times, the cooking show, and her personal life, all anchored by Lancashire's captivating performance. I gave it four and a half out of five stars. I am thrilled to be joined today by the creators of CryptoZoo, Dash Shaw and James Samborski. Welcome to Sifter for the Ear. Hello. Hello. Happy to be here. And congratulations, by the way, on being nominated for the Cassavetes Award at the Independent Spirit Awards. I was watching and they announced your name. You didn't win, unfortunately, but just to be in that category with only five other people is amazing. Footnote. The Cassavetes Award is given every year at the Independent Spirit Awards. It's in honor of actor-writer-director John Cassavetes, a pioneer of independent films. How was the event itself? Y'all went, I know. Yeah, we were there. You know, the cliche, it's an honor to be nominated. I feel that cliche in my bones because it's felt very true that, um, especially for us, where it's an animated movie, it's so different than the other movies there that it just felt really cool that they would even kind of acknowledge our existence and shower us with a nomination was extra awesome. First, I have to ask you this question that's been driving me crazy. Dash, what kind of name is that? Where did that come from? Well, it's supposed to be short for Dashel, but it's just my name. And my dad grew up loving like Dashel Hammett. And Jane, did your parents love Tarzan or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, uh, my parents both have J names and they thought it would be cute that everyone in the family had a J name. I really, I feel like I dodged a bullet. It's a very ordinary sounding name, but you don't run into too many people in my age category. And so I'm just, I'm kind of glad for my unusual name. My not unusual, unusual name. Uh, I was talking to somebody recently who's in your age category about how they're naming kids names like Mabel and Maxine and Chester and these old names. I know y'all have an, what, she's four now, I think? Five. What's her name? Castle. Castle. Okay. We went all in on the weird names. Yeah. (laughs) We aren't totally alone. I looked it up. There are five first name castles born in the U.S. every year on average. So. Oh, cool. Surprise guest drop-in. Oh, wow. It is Paul Pasquale, the creator of the only monument still on Monument Avenue. (laughs) Yes, it's true. Footnote. Paul Pasquale is a Richmond artist whose best-known work is the Arthur Ashe statue on Monument Avenue. 
Paul DePasquale married us. Uh, I know. That's when I called him up. He said, yeah, I married these two. So, Paul, how do you know Jane and Dash? Well, from way back and separately. Jane, your age is in between both of my daughters. My younger daughter, Mary, uh, would come back from your house, eyes ablaze with ideas for costumes because of what she saw in your closet, I guess. And uh, my other memory about you is from Kate, who talked about, yeah, Jane Samborski, she's wearing cat ears around in school. And it <laughs> yeah. was the coolest thing. You know, you were way ahead of the um, dressing as animal at school. There's a character in CryptoZoo that has cat ears that's based on young Jane. And how about Dash? Dash's family and my family attended Quaker meeting. So Dash, at a young age, started showing me cartooning he was doing and people, portraits he was drawing. And you just don't see that happening in a kid. You know, Dash, I think you were probably eight, maybe six, something like that when you first started showing me what you were working on. I was honored to be asked to officiate at your wedding, but it's just really been an honor to watch what you've done in this invention with CryptoZoo. And I really have to liken it to the Wright brothers. Wow. You know, pretty- wow, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Here, let me hang with me on this. So there they were in a garage with bicycle parts and the driving force to invent an airplane, knowing that they could do it. And here you guys are uh, here in Richmond inventing this beautiful film and getting the proper accolades. Just to be an artist, you have to have a vision, but then you have to be able to do it, to carry it off. And then you've got to bring it to the marketplace and how you can do that and stay married is uh, really <laughs> spreadsheets. Uh, it's all spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I know that's not true. I, I tried to insulate our attic with my wife and after an hour and a half declared I was going to hire somebody. Otherwise, we'd be filling out divorce papers. You know, and that was three. You know, I, I think the great strength of Dash and I as a creative team is that we each have a fairly separate uh, skill set. You know, Dash has a very macroscopic view. He's very zoomed out. He sees the whole project. He's got this great vision. And I love to tinker and I'm an engineer and I have this very zoomed in, like, how do we fix individual problems? And I know from long experience that there are a lot of things I'm not good at. And I'm very lucky to have Dash be good at many, many, many of those things. And where Dash is weaker, I can pick up the slack. And just the incredible respect that comes from knowing that He's got my back and that he loves the things that I hate. It's, just, it's what keeps yeah. the partnership. It doesn't okay. seem like we want to be doing what the other person is doing. Perfect yin and yang there. Yeah. Does that include doing the laundry or taking the garbage out? <laughs> well, yeah, we well, section that off as well. Yeah. Spreadsheets, uh, right? We, oh, oh, way, it is kind of like, you know, um, we joke about the spreadsheets thing, but it's actually kind of true because the real marriage saver in the spreadsheet was that, if Jane had notes for me, like this draw, arm is drawn incorrectly, instead of her knocking on my door and confronting me with it and us arguing about it, she just typed it into a spreadsheet under notes. And so one day I would wake up and just look at my list of things to redraw 
and just redraw it all then. We're getting deep into the professional stuff. Before I let Paul go, Paul, is there anything else you want to say to them as friends? I do want to say that uh, to hear you talk, Jane and Dash, back and forth, one would say, oh, well, it's lucky you all found each other and it's lucky you work together and, you know, you're lucky to get the film done. And I, I say, no, it's not luck. It's hard work and it's dedication to art and art as an invention. More than that, in the realm of art and the spirituality of art is it was meant to be. So thanks to all of you and thanks for the invitation. Thanks, Paul. That's thanks, really Paul. sweet of you. Hilarious. Sweet of you to stop by. Thanks for well, dropping in. First of all, you're both born and raised in Richmond. Where did y'all go to school? Well, I, I wasn't born in Richmond. Oh, okay. Almost, though. He came when he was two. Okay. Yeah. We'll count but, that. Uh, so where did y'all go to elementary, middle, and high school? I'm Richmond City through and through. So Fox and the recent news there, just like a knife to the heart. Footnote. Fox is a popular elementary school in the fan, and it recently suffered a severe fire that put the building out of commission, at least for a while. And then Benford, which I survived. And then uh, I was actually at governor's school before it was Maggie Walker. Dash, how about you? Let's see. Did Johnny come lately at two years old? <laughs> I know I went to Bird Middle School and I went to three different high schools, but the Richmond ones were Godwin and the Henrico Center for the Arts. When I was in high school, I was good friends with a gentleman named John Clavarius. Uh, we, we were bus stop buddies. John happened to also be in the Quaker Church and no Dash. And there came a time when I was single and Dash was single and he, he plotted to put the two artiest people he knew together. <laughs> uh, and it worked. We've been together a long time, Dash and I. Why did you move to New York? I guess that's everybody's dream to go to New York City. Well, I went to SVA. Footnote. SVA is the School of Visual Arts in New York City. When I graduated and that was over, I was back in Richmond for a short bit. But then I convinced Jane to move up with me. Which was, I, I think absolutely the right place for us to be. Um, Dash was lucky enough to do the Sundance Labs. Footnote. The Sundance Labs is an offshoot of the Sundance Institute, famous for their film festival, and the labs support independent filmmakers. Lo and behold, some of the people that he met there turned out just to live right around the corner from us. Yeah. So to be able to continue those connections that we made kind of in this industry was great for making, getting those movies made. Yeah, Jane's referring to the two producers on, on our first movie, Craig Zobel and Kyle Martin. Footnote. Their first animated film was called My Entire High School Sinking into the Sea, which starts when an earthquake causes a high school to float out to sea. I'll include a link on the Sifter page. I'd met Kyle that kind of before Tiny Furniture came out, the movie he did with Lena Dunham. And Craig Zobel had done a great movie I like a lot called Compliance, a horror movie. And so when it came time to kind of figure out how to get the voice cast for my entire high school sinking to the sea and finish that movie, I turned to them because they were like two people that were around my age who lived in my neighborhood who had figured out how to make, you know, an independent movie for no money. So why did you decide to move back to Richmond? My memory is that Dash just became overwhelmed with the sensory experience of New York. It was too loud. It was too busy. He had just had enough of it. Right. And, and were you living in Brooklyn or New York? We were living in Brooklyn. So, okay. And we were actually living on a fairly quiet block, too. But I think it was just, we love each other a great deal. But when you live in one room with someone, it's a lot of that person, especially right. if you're working together, too. 
And so he said, we, I can't stay here. We have to go somewhere else. And I said, we're moving back to Richmond because I know people in Richmond. We're talking about starting a family. We'll have childcare there. <laughs> right. I'm not moving to some random place where I don't know anybody. So segueing into Dash, how do you remember the decision? You know, a key element was Jane was pregnant when we moved. And so it was kind of trying to figure out what to do from that. I had just turned 30 and I think my body had finished aging, you know, and kind of like, oh, no, it hasn't. Trust me. As somebody who's a little older than that. It had finished growing up and started declining. It had had completed itself, you know, and the last thing to complete was maybe my ears or some part of my ears because sounds that used to not bother me suddenly bothered me a great deal. I know that Jane, you're primarily a visual artist. And of course, Dash, you were doing comics. How did y'all decide, let's make a movie? Uh, it was a, a natural outgrowth, I think, of Dash's comics. I went to school for animation, um, but at VCU, at VCU, right. and I just I was really burnt out for several years after that. And um, Dash sort of slowly reeled me back in. I was kind of making short films. Jane had done short films at VCU. It happened very organically. It's hard to like point to specific things, but I would say between high school sinking and CryptoZoo, it became realer in a way where um, it wasn't a side thing. We started small making teasers for his comic books. I have this horrible, horrible malady that my family calls takeover-itis, where <laughs> if, if I see someone else doing something, I, I want to get my hands on that project. So Dash kind of dragged me back in, half willingly, half kicking and screaming. And the projects just kept growing. I had done things that... Some of them are on my Vimeo that are like, I would call them fast slideshows, where they would be a drawing every three seconds that I would time to audio from like reality shows, Wheel of Fortune, Blind Date. I remember Dash wrote High School Sinking, and he wrote it specifically so that we could do it ourselves. And then he brought it to me and said, so we're just going to start this. And I looked at him like he was nuts. And then I just said yes, because... Dash has this way of just propelling projects forward. And I was like, sure, we're going to make a beat of ourselves. Speaking of that, you've actually said my uh, high school sinking. The full title is My Entire High School Sinking into the Sea, which, and you mentioned Lena Dunham, so I think might answer some of those questions for me. But I mean, you had an impressive cat Jason Schwartzman, Lena Dunham, Reggie Watts, Maya Rudolph, and Susan Sarandon. How did you manage to get all those people to come to innocent, young, new filmmakers and, and do voice for it? We had it all drawn basically before I went to the producers. And I thought it would just be non-actors, basically. And it was written kind of assuming I wouldn't get actors and that it would just be friends or whoever. And Craig and Kyle really convinced me to try to get actors. Um, I had met Jason Schwartzman years ago. Lena, I had met, of course, at the Sundance Labs. We just emailed them. One of the great surprises in my life was that they said yes, just based on the email. And then we could go to people that we didn't know, like you know, Susan Sarandon and show them a bunch of the movie drawn so they could see what it looked like. And these other actors are attached. So it could kind of roll from there. My understanding is usually when animations are made, especially like the big studio, the Disney or Pixar or whatever, the audio is first and they animate to the sound. And you said 80% was done before that. Did you have a scratch track of voices or did people just have to imagine it? Well, CryptoZoo was actually done differently than High School Sinking. High School Sinking, you are correct. We had most of the visuals before the audio, but it's very much a talky heads sort of thing. And we knew where the camera needed to be. And we were able to animate the facial expressions after the fact. Um, in CryptoZoo, we were lucky enough to work from voice performances 
prior even to character design. So yeah, they so part of the goal for CryptoZoo was that I could design the characters based on the actors. Now, CryptoZoo took five years, and according to what I read, the two of you drew everything. How was the experience overall? Why did it take five years? Yeah, you know, it's a long time, but still not many people have made in the United States independent animated movies, period. So maybe it isn't that long. Well, now that brings up a question, though, because I noticed in the credits it mentioned some other artists as contributors and they were doing like maybe an environment or something. So did y'all give them the design and say, hey, animate this or how did that work? A lot of our guest artists were people doing like an environment or a background or in some cases just the assets for a, one character. And then that those assets um, are put together like a puppet. And then I create the movement for them. Uh-huh, okay. um, and so one of the great things about Dash is that he casts artists the way many uh, directors cast actors for the talents they bring to the table. So yes, we're giving direction saying, okay, these are the shots we need to cover. And these are kind of the angles that we need, but you do you. Maybe a way to think of it is it's like not an orchestra. It's like a garage band or something like it is a team <laughs> group, but it's a small team. And everybody gets to have solos every now and then, you know? Right. Yeah. So obviously the new film, I'm assuming it was easier to get voiceover talent like Lake Bell and Michael Sarah and Zoe Castan for that. Was it easier? For Michael Sarah in particular, um, High School Sinking was playing Metrograph Theater, a very cool theater in New York. And so somehow I knew someone who knew him. I can't remember exactly, but he went to see High School Sinking and then we like asked him that day if he wanted to be in the next one. And he was like, sure. Uh, what was the inspiration for Crypto Zoo? It was a few things at once. You know, one was wanting to write something that I thought Jane would really like to participate in. And she had an all women's Dungeons and Dragons group when we were in Brooklyn. So I felt like writing a mythological creature movie would be really cool and give us a fun activity. Um, to spend years working on. That was a big part of it. Another part was this great um, Windsor McKay animated short. You can see it on YouTube. It's from 1921 called The Centaurs. And, you know, Windsor McKay, he had done Little Nemo in Slumberland, Gertie the Dinosaur, which is kind of like the first Jurassic Park. And so here he had made a kind of adultish, sexy, you know, centaurs in a dark forest environment short film and it's unfinished and that kind of the unfinishedness of it made it extra inspiring. So it was kind of like, well, you know, this master of animation had this idea, but he didn't do it. Like, what would that movie have been like? Oh, wow. Cool. Uh, so for those who might not know, and I didn't, and I don't know if it's a real word, or y'all made it up. What is a cryptid? A cryptid is a being whose existence is, is in dispute. We didn't make up the word. People think of us as imaginary beasts, but most mythological beings are simply extremely rare beings. And of course, a lot of those characters I recognize were from mythology, Pan and Medusa and a bunch of them. Did you create some of your own or were they all based on some kind of mythology or? Every creature in the film comes from an existing mythology. Part of the idea was the movie would be kind of like about how the real world treats fantasy, you know, and it wouldn't be like a separate fantasy setting. But the relationship between the real world in it and the fantasy world in it would be um, fraught or kind of at least um, interesting um, juxtaposition. Well, we also really wanted to go off the beaten path when we could. You know, we we tried to choose more obscure creatures just because that that was more exciting for us. Right. 
tell me about the animation techniques, because I know that it, you said it was all hand drawn. Was there ever any computer use? Because especially like the underwater scenes that were kind of distorted, that would be easier to do in a computer. The computer is critical to our, our work process. There would be no movie without the computer. Each of the images you see on screen is a physical object, but then all of those physical objects are either photographed or scanned and all the motion is created in the computer. So you do the in-between, you'd set up, here's frame A and here's frame B and A1, 2, 3, 4. I'm, I don't know if these letters are right, but then y'all would create the in-betweens essentially. Is that what you're saying, kind of? It's more like puppetry than hand-drawn. Yeah, but, you know, it's hard to answer broadly because there's a lot of different techniques in the movie. Right, right. But, you know, I would call it words like collage or like mixed media kind of makes sense. Well, now I know, uh, obviously, I'm assuming, Dash, you did most of the character illustrations because that's kind of your thing. Did maybe, Jan, I'm hoping since you were an artist and this is just me assuming that maybe you'd worked more on the backgrounds and some of the special effects and some of that beautiful stuff that was around the characters? In terms of drawing, I, I painted most of the cryptids and did most of the full body puppets. And then Dash did more specific drawings and all the close-ups of the characters. And then quite a number of backgrounds. Some of the background artists that were really great include Sophie Franz. She's a great painter. Ben Mara, Andrew Lorenzi, people that I mostly know from Frank, Alter Santoro. Frank Santoro from Alternative Comics. So it's funny, I noticed having just watched it, Storm the Capitol is in there, which had a very different meaning when you made your movie than it does after January 6th, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah that, that event actually occurred um, in the absolute final weeks of just the last polish going on to the film. Oh, wow. um, it well was, after yeah. we could have made any changes. It or, premiered at Sundance that January. Yeah, literally two oh, weeks after wow, wow. the event. And of course, I believe Michael Sarah said he didn't even remember saying that line. Because <laughs> <laughs> it happened so long ago. Yeah. I noticed Belle Island was in there. And I believe Paul told me that that's where you were actually married on Belle Island. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, the scene where um, Lauren and, and Phoebe, their description of pulling fish out of the water actually comes from Dash and I having been there when the shad run one year um, oh, wow. and just sort of pure luck being there and being able to have that experience of pulling the fish out of the water with our bare hands. You mentioned it earlier a little bit, but the fact that you have all these creatures who are discriminated against and some other things happen that I don't want to go into. Were you seeing this as you wrote it and created it as any kind of allegory or political statement or was it strictly a fantasy? Well, you know, I thought of it as an allegory for how the mythologies around the world are treated or how imagination is treated around the world. So I think of them more as like radical ideas or radical artworks and how those um, can, in an attempt to introduce them to the public are damaged. So that's my read on it. You see things in the world others do not see. This is who I am. I should not have to hide it. You know, we would never say that when people map other ideologies or what is almost always their own experience onto the film, that's really exciting for us because, you know, you say these, there's this art speak thing of, you know, the eye of the beholder being completing the film. I think it's, it speaks to the power of the film that there's enough ambiguity in it that people can find their own meanings. Now, I did a documentary on Dirt Woman in 2018, and then luckily, I got to go to six film festivals around the country in 2019. Sadly, Crypto Zoo was accepted at Sundance in 2020, which was great. You even got the Next Innovator Award. Congratulations. And Magnolia Films picked it up. 
how was that? Because you didn't get to go to Sundance, which of course was cold as hell, but uh, you know, that would have been so much fun. How was that? We did manage to have some fun. Uh, We took a road trip down to Atlanta and our first experience of our film on the big screen was actually at a drive-in theater, which was pretty rad. Some of those festivals were virtual, but then they would also do the people at the festivals would figure out ways to do fun things like the drive-in screenings. Right. I feel very uh, satisfied of having seen it play in a lot of different places. So Dash, I know you're still cranking out comic books and you've got a, is that right? 300 page discipline. I mean, discipline's the name of the comic book, 300 pages. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Have you lost your mind? Well, we're making animated films. Yeah. In our- <laughs> I, I think you know, uh, yeah, I don't know really what to say. I can only offer kind of an excuse, which is that the pages have lots of negative space. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I, I, I don't, think part uh, of Dash's genius is that he can conceive these large projects and visualize a path to the finish line and then execute that right. project. Jane, do you work with him on the comic books at all? Or is that strictly his nope. thing? Nope. Okay. <laughs> nope. I, I think Dash would actually prefers it that way. You know, I, I think one of the hardest things for Dash in the animation is how much he has to rely on other people. That right. He can't just sit down and do it and make it happen. And so the comics are a place where Dash knows that he's responsible for all the pieces and therefore they're his and he doesn't have to have to to ask anyone else to do anything. Right. Now, Jane, I know that you trained as an artist. Do you still create any art paintings or anything else on the side or? Um, I mean, I'm always making things. And one of the great the great things about designing your own animated film is that whatever you're interested in working on at the moment can be folded into the larger project. So what I'm working on right now is actually 3D models of dragons for the next film. Um, so I'm getting to sculpt and... And I'm also working on paintings for that film. I have personal projects too, because sometimes I need to, to decompress. But right, um, right. I'm incredibly lucky that I get to follow whatever whatever interest is currently on my radar. That's that's great. Now, when you say sculpt, you don't mean literally 3D sculpting. You mean- Oh yeah, 3D oh, you sculpting. Yeah. You're actually sitting there with clay and doing it by hand. Yes. So this one question I always like to ask everybody, what are you watching when y'all just sit down and get away from the drawing boards? What do y'all watch on TV or what movies have you seen lately? Well, I'm going to say something blasphemous, which is that I watch almost nothing. The vast majority of my, my media in, is in uh, audiobooks. I just, I find that TV and movies aren't interactive enough for me. So I like games and I like, I like to listen to books while I make things. I just screened at, in a, a cool theater in Brooklyn um, called Light Industry, a great movie that Jane and I actually saw together that I've been championing called Bubble Bath, a 1980 Hungarian animated movie. I don't think it's available in the United States yet. I've been just praising it until maybe it will become available. But another Hungarian animated movie that is quite good is called Son of the White Mare. It's on the Criterion channel. And then coming out soon, I think later this year, is a fantastic documentary called Clay Dream about um, Will Vinton of Claymation fame. Right. Well, this has been lots of fun, and I appreciate y'all taking the time to do that. And uh, I will make sure there's a link to CryptoZoo on the website, and I look forward to seeing your next animation. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh Take care. Don't you think some things are meant to stay hidden? We can only create the strange and unusual with love. CryptoZoo is on Hulu and some other paid services. I'll have a link to that and the other films mentioned on this show's page at tvjerry.com. 
Coming soon. In theaters. Ambulance. From Michael Bay comes this chase thriller starring Jake Gyllenhaal, who ends up in the back of the titular vehicle after a bank robbery goes bad. Everything, everywhere, all at once, with Michelle Yeoh in a trippy multiverse thriller by the directing duo Daniels, who did Swiss Army Man. Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and the title tells you all you need to know. All the Old Knives. Chris Pine and Thandie Newton play spies who were once lovers. This also launches on Amazon the same day. TV and streaming. Body Parts on TLC focuses on patients with silicone body parts. On the 7th, on HBO Max, Tokyo Vice, a crime drama from Michael Mann starring Ansel Elgort. Also on HBO on the 8th, Black Lady Sketch Show returns for a third season. Also returning on the 8th on Netflix is Elite that takes place at an upscale Spanish private school where murders always seem to happen. Also on Netflix, Metal Lords, two high school friends try to form a heavy metal band with a cellist. On Hulu, Woke, a comedy about a black cartoonist on the verge of success. On the 10th on AMC, 61st Street, a high school athlete is swept up in the corrupt Chicago criminal justice system. It stars Courtney B. Vance. On the 11th on TBS, a new season of Chad, where Nassim Pedrad plays a Persian high school boy. And on CBS, the Country Music Awards. That's all the sifter I got. Join me next week to see what a local TV anchor is up to now. For more Sifter, including literally thousands Thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.